But as generative AI becomes better, phishing scams are getting more and more complex and it's easier and easier to trick people. Hi, and welcome to Tech News This Week. I'm your host, Tech Tiger Editorial News Director, Anton Gonsalves. On today's show, we'll discuss how AI is making it easier for companies to review software and services contracts, why the godfather of AI, Jeffrey Hinton, left Google, and how we might one day be free of passwords. First off, AI will change how people work in many industries, including the legal profession. In fact, Goldman Sachs predicts AI will perform more than 40% of the routine tasks within legal firms. Here to explain how AI has already changed uh, the process reviewing software contracts is Chanley Howell, a partner of Foley and Laudner, a top 50 law firm. All right, so first question. You know, Foley has tried to stay ahead of the AI tsunami with the release of a legal AI, of a legal AI SaaS product called Foley Equipped. Uh, how does it uh, help clients with software and IT services contracts? Uh, thanks, Antone, and thanks for having me. Um, what it does is for agreements that come in from another party. So our client, for example, would be a customer in a relationship in a technology agreement. My practice is in IT uh, transactions, software agreements, cloud agreements. So very frequently, our client will get an agreement from the software provider and our goal, our task is to review the agreement to determine if there's any problems with it. And there usually are some things that need to be negotiated and changed. What the fully equipped AI powered technology does is it will identify the problem language in the agreement. So we have a list of about 40 issues, things like warranties and indemnification and limitation of liability. I don't want to get too much in the legal weeds, um, but issues that are common in, in commercial agreements and in particular technology agreements, so IP ownership. And the AI, we run the agreement through the AI and we get a version back that can be viewed on a portal, on a web portal, and also with the Word plugin. So changes can be made right in Word. And after it's run through the AI, uh, we get the version back. It takes a matter of minutes. The AI has identified the problem areas that we need to focus on. So, you know, these agreements are typically anywhere from 15 to 50 pages, give or take. So in a lot of our clients have a very high volume of these agreements. So they're looking to A, get them done quicker, B, get them done cheaper, C, make sure quality control is where it should be. So the AI will identify the problem issues. And so we can go straight to where the problems are without having to read every word. Now, the AI is a tool. It doesn't replace humans. At this point, what it does is accelerates the process. Um, you talked about, Anton, you mentioned the Goldman Sachs uh, statistic, and I think you mentioned routine tasks. What this does is, is automate and use the AI to deal with the more routine tasks. But when I say routine, it's still something that a trained lawyer or a paralegal, but typically a lawyer would need to do, but it's at the lower end of our spectrum. So the language is identified. And then also in the system, it has our advice about the issue. So let's say we're talking about ownership of intellectual property. We'll have right there in the tool, a description of why that's important and what's significant about it. And then the second thing the system has also built in that's based on our content and our knowledge base is our sample language. 
So if we see, if the AI takes us to a provision about IP ownership that we don't like and our client doesn't like, we have the advice in there for a, either for the client to see or for a business person with the client to see for the engineers, if the engineer or contract person is working on it. And then we have the language right there. So any changes that need to be made, whether it's by us or the client uh, can be made. So that's the main way that the, um, that the system helps accelerate the process, make things um, quicker and more efficient. Sure. And so they can uh, take a look at the, the provisions that, uh, that your law firm feel, feels they need to, uh, to look at and at least be aware of. Uh, but at the, end, at the end of the day, most of your clients will call in a Foley attorney to come in and do a final review before they actually sign the contract. Yes. We have different yeah. ways to provide the service. One right. would be we run it through, we send them a checklist, the issues list, and they can run with it, or they can come back to us and say, okay, will you now revise the agreement? We can do that. Will you help us with the negotiations? And we can do that. Okay. So that's, uh, uh, you know, as the, as AI improves and gets better, uh, what other changes do you see coming uh, in terms of, um, working with uh with law you know clients working with law firms and it would also seem like this would this could uh reduce the overall cost of legal work or it could shift it from uh you know billable hours to project-based pricing uh what, what do you see what changes uh are you uh preparing for as ai gets better well a few things first of all lawyers will need to spend more time learning the technology and we all, in really any profession, need to learn what technology tools we have. Uh, but this, is, this takes the technology tools to a newer, higher level, which clients expect us to be able to use. So uh, lawyers will need to do more training on the technology as one. It will also reduce the amount of time lawyers need to spend on more of the lower level routine work. And it will shift, use the word shift, that's a good way to, to view it it will shift the time that we spend and it will shift the client's dollar spend, whether it's on an hourly basis or a fixed fee project basis, it will shift that to more value services. So rather than having, I'm just gonna make numbers up, rather than having to spend five hours reading a contract word by word um, to identify the problems, the AI will do it in a matter of minutes. That amount of time will either, I mean, it does a number of things. It saves money for the client, and it also allows the client for their particular budget to be able to spend more time with us if they need our help on the more strategic issues. So when we're advising a client about business, you know, being a business partner with them, if you will, things that really are higher level, more strategic, more tactical as opposed to the lower level. So it will shift the amount where our hours are spent to the higher value, both for the client and for the firm. So things will, will it will save time. We don't see it anytime soon replacing lawyers, but rather allowing lawyers to do handle more, let's talk about in the world of agreements, more agreements for clients with the same number of lawyers and the amount of, when we're interacting with the client, it's more higher value business strategic as opposed to reading, you know, every word of an agreement. Oh, now, okay. So what about uh, in terms of paralegals and legal assistance? 
it would seem to me that as the law, as the AI makes the law firms more efficient, as you just mentioned, uh, that would reduce your need for support staff, uh, wouldn't it? In in time. Yes, it does. Legal Tech has done that. I've been practicing for more than thirty years now, and ratios. Uh, one of the one of the factors, and we're you know quote big law, um, and one of the ratios that firms look to is the the ratio of assistants and, and also paralegals, and that's continually gone down over time. A lot of that is various legal tech, whether it's word processing or email, et cetera, and this will continue that pace. Now, it's not so much the secretaries or legal assistants because this the what this particular solution does is not secretaries and assistants weren't doing that to begin with. Paralegals do some, so it, it could impact the amount needed for paralegals but again, that would free them up to do other more higher value things that a paralegal would be uh, properly trained to do. Mm -hmm. So it, it could reduce headcount. But in a law firm, you know, lawyers and paralegals are revenue generating individuals. So the idea would be and I, where we see it impacting our firm and, and firms generally, we don't want to reduce headcount of lawyers and, and paralegals. But we certainly would like to get more, have our lawyers that we have be able to handle more work and more higher value work, which this technology allows us to do. Okay, you can't talk about AI this week without discussing Jeffrey Hinton's departure from Google. Uh, Hinton has made important contributions to the de development of AI. He left the search uh, giant so he could, he could be free to talk about the dangers of, of, of AI. Here to explain Hinton's concerns is uh, Tech Target editorial AI reporter Esther Zhao. Uh, so, what are the AI risks that uh, that worry Hinton? Yeah, I mean, it's like I I don't know if we ever talked about the AI pause a few weeks ago, but it's basically that idea that um, he's worried that this system is going to get more intelligent. Um, and it's going to be more intelligent than humans. And so if they're more intelligent than humans, they're going to be better at manipulating humans. Um, and this will lead to, in the political world, in the hacking world, this will lead people to misuse the technology, which means that you can now, I, I think his quote yesterday was like, you don't need to be at Washington in order to get an AI system to invade Washington, something like that. Basically to the effect that this will be misused in a very, bad political way and he's scared that's his thing he's scared <laughs> all right so he uh what are what are his his plans uh now that he's uh, no longer with google is he going to be working to uh to help build some type of regulatory environment around ai did uh what are, hey, that's what a are. good question. I mean, he didn't really talk about his plans. I think he wants to be freer to be able to discuss like this other risk. And um, and many people have said, well, this is kind of hypocritical. I mean, you're 75 <laughs> now um, and you've been in this for so long. Right. So you of all people should know what the risks are or a long time should have known what the risks are. So um, he's he's like, I don't really have a solution. But his solution is now that I'm talking about it, we can now gather people together to kind of figure out some risk in place. And Hinton is basically 
kind of pointing out a lot of things that people are pointing out is that the the AI systems are moving at such a fast pace, right? You have Google doing this, you have Microsoft doing this, um, and there is a lack of regulation. I know that um, AI leaders were invited to the White House, so maybe you'll have some of that moving in. And then you have different countries just trying to create their own kind of regulations. But because the regulators don't understand it, the people using it don't understand it, we are at a point where it seems like the AI system will quote unquote take over the world or will quote unquote be smarter than humans. But um, we now just have to figure out a, a solution and a way to use it responsibly. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly there's certainly uh, uh, enough indicators out there that we should be concerned. I mean, just I mean, a second ago, a minute ago, I had Chanley Howell talking about how law firms was going to be reduced headcount because of AI. Uh, IBM stopped uh, hiring for back office, uh, like HR departments, right? Because yeah. any job that it thinks AI can do. So so the concerns, uh, I mean, you see how the concerns are, are certainly real. I just don't, I just don't see much happening yet in the US on the regulatory side. I don't see any focus by government on actually uh, trying to 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 regulate. Do, do, do you see any any movement on that front, or are we just kind of at the beginning stage? <laughs> I think we're at the we're at the beginning stage. I think to be fair, a lot of people are trying to understand this technology. I mean, ChatGPT kind of brought it front and center. People were using it widespread. Everyone is like interested in ChatGPT. Um, but a lot of people want to know, like, what does, how does this technology work? What does it do? Um, and I spoke to a professor and he's like, it's the same thing with cars. When cars came out, everyone is like, well, my horses are better. It's the same thing with any new technology that comes out. Um, and there are cause for concerns, right? You know, it's going to take over some jobs. But the key is, like, if you're really worried, it's probably better for you to find a way that how can I use this AI system to enhance to upscale my career, not to like, oh, it's going to replace me. Because at the end of the day, I always say, well, humans are the ones that created the AI system. So obviously humans are the ones that's going to make it better. And so if I can use AI in my job, if you can use it in your job, then it's probably going to work out for all of us. Uh, finally, no one loves passwords. They're difficult to remember. You have to manage dozens of them to avoid using the same password over and over again. And they are often stolen by uh, cyber thieves to break into corporate computers. Well, the security industry has introduced its latest form of passwordless authentication. Uh, here to tell us about it is Tech Target editorial security reporter, Ariel Waldman. All right, so what's the latest uh, passwordless authentication uh, <laughs> from the security industry? Um, I mean, there's a lot of different forms passwordless could take, but passkeys um, are becoming one that's increasingly adopted. The technology isn't super new, but the form that they're currently in um, was announced about a year ago. So users can authenticate with passkeys without having to enter a username, a password, or any additional authentication factor. Uh, they use biometrics, so like fingerprints, face ID. You can easily access it with your phone, which is nice, especially in a hybrid work environment where everyone's devices are kind of interconnected between work and home. And um, I think it's becoming more and more important to be passwordless because attackers are using those stolen credentials, like you said, to conduct ransomware attacks that lead to data breaches 
phishing campaigns, credential stuffing attacks, which are also on the rise. The goal of the passkeys is to eliminate credentials as a target and not give attackers anything to fish. Um, currently, training awareness is the way enterprises try and protect against phishing. Um, and like you said, again, it's put on the user more so to be aware of misspellings in the emails or other signs of phishing email. But as generative AI becomes better, phishing scams are getting more and more complex and it's easier and easier to trick people. So increased um, security is critical, like using pass keys and things like that that don't even have the username and passwords for attackers to target. Okay, so how, how does pass keys work? What are, what are, what are they? Now, me as a user, what would this pass key look like? What, what would it be? Oh, yeah. So they usually use biometrics. It could be like a fingerprint, face ID. Um, you can use it th just through your phone. So it just eliminates the need for you to remember any passwords um, or anything like that. I think people have like up to 200 passwords sometimes. So Sure, I've got over 100 in my password manager <laughs> easily. But that's not unusual. I, I read yesterday no. that the average is like 100 passwords. Okay, so, so what we're talking about is other forms of authentication, right? Biometrics or um, whatever else you, that you had mentioned. I guess for this to all work, if we're going to get rid of passwords, then we're going to mm -hmm. have companies like Microsoft, Google, Meta, you know, companies with billions of users, if they make the move, and um, then, then we, that would do a lot to push the the, the whole movement. Uh, yeah. of, you know. So, is is there any is there anything is there any signs that that are that that's happening? Are the big big people involved? The big business. Yeah. Uh, Google actually unveiled passkey options yesterday, and they build it as like the beginning of the end of the password. <laughs> um, so for Google's passkeys, users can choose between a PIN, facial recognition or a fingerprint authentication. Um, so yeah, so Google Google coming into the picture is definitely a big thing. Um, I think the passwordless adoption is really on the users because they're the ones that need to implement it. And if the if big companies like that, you know, are using it, then I think it will be widely adopted more quickly. Um, but the transition will take some time still. Um, even a, it'll probably be in a hybrid version for a few more years to come with the mix of people using passwords and usernames and others adopting pass keys or other passwordless authentication options. But it does seem to be taking off really quickly. It seems like two-factor authentication was kind of, it was the first step towards this because yeah. I, I do that whenever I, I can on websites and I put in the password and then I use my authenticator. So it seems like this is, uh, okay, so we've, I guess the security industry or companies have gotten people used to the idea of two-factor authentication. So that would be like a, a, a step towards to eventually just removing the use of the password completely. Once people get used to authenticators and, I don't know, biometric sensors, that type of thing. Yeah, definitely. Vendors have said that um, passwordless will eliminate the need for multi-factor authentication eventually. Um, some problems with multi-factor authentication is, for example, you could choose to authenticate through a text message, but phishing's become so bad that attackers, you may not even notice it's a phishing link or something like that, and they can kind of trick you even when you're trying to authenticate. So attackers are definitely finding ways to bypass MFA 
authentication. So we just have to try to keep ahead of them, keep getting better with our passwords. All right, that wraps up this week's show. Thanks for watching and enjoy the weekend.